Section 18 of Stories and Pictures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mara Bella. Stories and Pictures by I. L. Peretz. Translated by Helena Frank. Section 18. The Days of the Messiah As in all the Jewish towns in Galicia, big and little, so in the one where my parents lived, there was a lunatic. And as in most cases, so in this one, the lunatic was afraid of nobody, neither of Kohol, nor of the rabbi or his assistants, not even of the bather or the grave-digger, who are treated with respect by the richest men. On the other hand, the whole of the little town, Kohal, with all the Jewish authorities, and the bather and the gravedigger, trembled before the lunatic, closed door and window at his approach. And although the poor lunatic had never said an abusive word, never touched anyone with his little finger, everybody called him names, many people hit him, and the street boys threw mud and stones at him. I always felt sorry for the lunatic. He attracted me somehow. I wanted to talk to him, to console him, to give him a friendly pat, but it was impossible to approach him. I should have received part of the stones and mud with which he was bombarded by the others. I was quite a little boy, and I wore a nice suit from Lemberg or Krakow, and I wished to preserve my shoulders from stones and my suit from mud, so I remained at a distance. The little town in which my parents lived, and where I spent my childhood, dressed in clothes made by the tailors of Lemberg and Krakow, was a fortress, surrounded by moats, water, earthworks, and high walls. On the walls were batteries, and these were protected by soldiers with muskets, who marched up and down, serious and silent. Hardly had darkness fallen when the iron drawbridge was raised from over the moat, all the gates were closed, and the little town was cut off from the rest of the world till early next morning. At every gate stood a watchman, fully armed. A short while ago, in the daytime, we were all free. We could go in and out without applying for leave to the major in command. One might bathe in the river outside the town, and even lie stretched out on the green bank and gaze into the sky, or out into the wide world as one chose. No one made any objection, and even if one did not return, no questions were asked. But at night, all was to be quiet in the town. No one was to go out or to come in. Lucky, I used to think to myself, that they let in the moon. And as long as I may live, I shall never forget the twilights there, the fall of night. As the shades deepened, a shudder went through the whole town. Men and houses seemed suddenly to grow smaller and cower together. The bridge was raised, the iron chains grated against the huge blocks, and the rasp of the iron, the harsh broken sounds, went through one's very bones. Then gate on gate fell too. Every evening it was the same thing, 
and yet every evening people's limbs trembled a dull apathy overspread their faces and their eyes were as the eyes of the dead eyelids fell heavy as lead the heart seemed to stop beating one scarcely breathed then a patrol would march down the streets with a clatter of trailing swords and great water boots the bayonets glistened and the patrol shouted where da to which one had to reply a citizen an inhabitant otherwise there was no saying what might not happen many preferred to remain behind lock and key they were afraid of being seen in the street one day i had the following adventure i had been bathing in the river and either i lost myself in thought or in staring about or i simply forgot that after day comes night suddenly i see them raise the bridge there is a grating in the ears the gates swing to and my heart goes by leaps and bounds no help for it i must pass the night outside the walls and strange to say night after night as i lay in my warm bed at home i had dreamt of the free world outside the fortress and now that my dreams had come true i was frightened there ensued the usual dispute between head and heart the head cried steady now for once you may enjoy the free air and the starry sky to the full and the heart all the while struggled and fluttered like a caged bird then from heart to head rose as it were a vapour a mist and the clear reasoning became obscured and was swallowed up in the cloud there was a rushing noise in my ears a flickering before my eyes every sound however light every motion of a twig or a blade of grass made me shudder and threw me onto the ground with fright i hid my face in the sand whether or not i slept and how long i lay there i cannot tell but i suddenly heard someone breathing close to me i spring up and i am not alone two well-known deep black eyes are gazing at me in all candor and gentleness it is the lunatic what are you doing here i ask in smothered tones i never sleep in the town he answers sadly and his glance is so gentle the voice so brotherly that i recover myself completely and lose all fear once upon a time i reflected lunatics were believed to be prophets it is still so in the east and i wonder perhaps he is one too is he not persecuted like a prophet don't they throw stones at him as at a prophet don't his eyes shine like stars doesn't his voice sound like the sweetest harp does he not bear the sorrows of all and suffer for a whole generation perhaps he also knows what shall be hereafter i have a try and begin to question him and he answers so softly and sweetly that i think sometimes it is all a dream the dream of a summer's night outside the fortress do you believe in the days of the messiah i ask him of course he answers gently and confidently 
He must come. He must? Oh, surely. I'll wait for him. Even the heavens and the earth wait. If it were not so, no one would care to live, to dip a hand in cold water. And if people live as they do, and show they want to live, it is a sign they all feel that the Messiah is coming, that he must come, that he is already on the way. Is it true, I questioned further, that first there will be dreadful wars and false messiahs, on account of whom people will tear one another like wild beasts, till the earth be soaked with blood? Is it true that rivers of blood will flow from east to west and from north to south, and all the animals and beasts drink human blood? All the fields and gardens and wild places and roads be swamped with human blood? And that in the middle of this bloody time, the true Messiah will come? The right one? Is that true? True. And people will know him? Everyone will know him. Nobody will be mistaken. He will be Messiah in every look, in every word, in every limb, in every glance. He will have no armies with him. He will ride on no horse. And there will be no sword at his side. Then what? He will have wings. Messiah will have wings. And then everyone will have wings. It will be like this. Suddenly, there will be born a child with wings. And then a second, a third. And so it will go on. At first, people will be frightened. By degrees, they will get used to it until there has arisen a whole generation with wings, a generation that will no longer struggle in the mud over a parnosa worm. He talked on like this for some time, but I had already ceased to understand him. Only his voice was so sadly sweet that I sucked it up like a sponge. The day was breaking when he ceased. They had opened the gates and were letting down the bridge. Since the night spent outside the fortress, the life within it had grown more unbearable still. The old walls, the rasping iron drawbridge, the iron doors, the sentinels and patrols, the hoarsely angry, Where da? The falsely servile, A citizen, an inhabitant, the eternal quivering of the putty-colored faces, the startled, half-extinguished eyes, the market with its cowering, aimlessly restless shadows of men. The whole thing weighed on me like lead, not to be able to breathe, not to feel free, and my heart grew sick with a great longing, and I resolved to go to meet the Messiah. I got into the first conveyance that presented itself. The driver turned round and asked, Where to? Wherever you please, I answered, only a great way, a great way off from here. For how long? For as long as the horse can go. The driver gathered up the reins, and we set off. We drove, on and on. Other fields, other woods, other villages, other towns, everything different. But the difference was only on the surface. Below that, everything was the same. 
when i looked into things i saw everywhere the same melancholy every face wore a look of frightened cunning speech was everywhere broken and halting the world seemed overspread with a mournful mist that hid every gleam of light and extinguished every joy everything shrank together and stifled and i kept shouting go on but i depended on the driver and the driver on the horse the horse wants to eat and we are obliged to stop i step into the inn a large room divided into two by means of an old curtain reaching from one wall to the other on my side of the curtain three men sit round a large table they do not remark me and i have time to look them over they represent three generations the oldest is grey as a pigeon but he sits erect and gazes with sharp eyes and without spectacles into a large book lying before him on the table the old face is grave the old eyes unerring in their glance and the old man and the book are blent into one by the white beard whose silver points rest on the pages at his right hand sits a younger man who must be his son it is the same face only younger less unmoved more nervous at times more drawn and weary he also gazes into a book but through glasses the book is smaller and he holds it nearer to his eyes resting it against the edge of the table he is of middle age beard and earlocks just silvered over he rocks himself to and fro it seems every time as if his body wished to tear itself away from the book only the book draws it back he rocks himself and the lips move inaudibly every now and then he glances at the old man who does not notice it to the old man's left sits the youngest probably a grandson a young man with glossy black hair and a burning restless glance he also is looking at a book but the book is quite small and he holds it close to his bright unquiet eyes he continually lowers it however and throws a glance of mingled fear and respect at the old man another with a half ironic smile at his father and then leans over to hear what is going on on the further side of the curtain and from the further side of the curtain comes moans as of a woman in childbirth i am about to cough so that they may be aware of me at this moment a fold of the curtain is pushed aside and there appear two women an old one with a sharp bony face and sharp eyes and one of middle age with a gentle rather flabby face and uncertain glance they stand looking at the men and waiting to be questioned the oldest does not see them his soul has melted into the soul of the book the middle-aged man has seen them and is wondering how best to rouse his father the youngest starts up mother grandmother well the father rises anxiously from his chair the grandfather only pushes the book a little away from him and lifts his eyes to the women how is she inquires the young one further with a trembling voice she is over it over it over it stammers the young one mother won't you say good luck to you asks the second 
the old one reflects a moment and then asks what has happened even if it is a girl no the grandmother speaks for the first time it is a boy still born no it lives answers the old woman and yet there is no joy in her tone a cripple defective it has marks on both shoulders what sort of marks of wings of wings yes of wings and they are growing the old man remains sitting in perplexity the second is lost in wonder the youngest fairly leaps for joy good good let them grow may they grow into wings big strong ones good good what is there to be glad about inquires his father a dreadful deformity sighs the old man why so asks the grandson wings said the old man sternly raise one into the height when one has wings one cannot keep to the earth much it matters retorts the grandson defiantly one is quit of living here and wallowing in the mud one lives in the height is heaven not better than earth the old man grows pale and the son takes up the word foolish child what is one to live on in the height air doesn't go far there are no inns to hire up there no contracts to sign there's no one of whom to buy a bit of shoe leather in the height the old man interrupts him in the height he says in hard tones there is no shul no house of study no klaus to pray and read in in the height there is no pathway trodden out by past generations in the height one wanders and gets lost because one does not know the road one is a free bird but woe to the free bird in the hour of doubt and despondency what do you mean and the young man starts up with burning cheeks and eyes but the grandmother is beforehand with him what fools men are she exclaims how they talk and the rabbi do you suppose the rabbi is going to let him be circumcised is he likely to allow a blessing to be spoken over a child with wings i give a start the night spent outside the town the drive and the child with wings were all a dream end section 18